The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we're going back to our series on the kingdom of God, where we've been dealing with our articles of faith. We've now made it to Article 8, which is the final article of faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Article 8 reads as follows. We believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment, and that the felicity of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. All the doctrinal statements that have gone before have been leading us up to this marvelous truth that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back one day to take us home. And end times are not some complicated theological mess. We as primitive Baptists of all people ought to understand that simplicity reigns in the kingdom of God. It's a simple message that's so simple the child can understand it. Jesus saved his people from their sins. And it's simple worship so simple that we don't have to separate our children out and divide them up into classes and hire music directors and entertainment directors and that sort of thing. It's simple, preaching, praying, and singing. But many would have us to believe that when it comes to Jesus' return, it's so complicated you have to have a doctorate of divinity to understand it. No way is this the case. As we're going to see over the next series of messages, The return of Jesus is a very simple and wonderful concept. He's coming back to get us and take us home to be with him, period, end of story. I'm so thankful that that's the way it is in the Word of God. I hope you'll join us over the next few days as we explore this idea of the second coming of Christ, the resurrection, and the general judgment. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. I know that I
Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we read this. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had, thus, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." Now, this morning, I want us to look at Article 8 of our Articles of Faith, which states this, We believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment, and that the felicity or joy of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. Now, you may say, Preacher, this is kind of a strange set of verses to go to to preach about the resurrection and about what we believe at this church about end times. I think maybe as we go through it, you'll see why I believe the Lord led me there. But let me say this in, in preface to everything this morning. All the doctrinal statements that have gone before in our articles of faith have been leading us up to the marvelous truth of the resurrection. All of the things we've read, you know, Ephesians 1 and 4, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember what article... Three said, we believe in the doctrine of election and goes on to talk about it. Uh, article, uh, Ephesians 1 and 6, we are predestinated unto the adoption of children, okay? We're, we're justified by Jesus Christ on the cross. We are, uh, we are born again by the Holy Spirit. But, but all of these are leading us up to something that is the ultimate hope of every child of God which is the resurrection that's coming. Jesus is coming again. Now, I think you've probably noticed, if you've been here very much at all, that we have a pretty simple approach to things here in Zion Primitive Baptist Church. It's a simple message. The message is that Jesus died to save his people from their sins. It's so simple a child can understand it. It's a simple worship. We preach, we pray, we sing. It's so simple that we, we don't have to separate our children out and put them in one place and 
singles in another place and married couples in another. It's just simple. We don't have to hire choir directors and music directors or piano players or musicians. It's just preaching and praying and singing. But some would have us to believe that when it comes to the preaching of the end times, Jesus' second coming, it's so complicated, you've got to have a doctorate of divinity to understand it. I can remember hearing things preached when I was coming up that some of them, some of them terrified me. <laughs> Most of them puzzled me. I mostly just accepted it because that's what the preachers preached about. But one thing I've come to believe very strongly about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the end times, is that it's not complicated. It's not something that suddenly we've gone from being really simple and easy to understand to something so complicated that only some great theologians can understand and explain it. I say no way is that the case. The end times, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is so simple a child can understand it. And that's what our Articles of Faith stand upon. There's nothing complicated. We believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment and that all of that's going to be eternal. <laughs> that's pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty sim you know, in the Old Testament days, it was easily understood. It wasn't anything complicated. Just, just to, for the sake of proving it, let's go back to Isaiah 43 for just a second and maybe look at another passage. But in the Old Testament, you know, after he began in Isaiah 43, giving us that great statement of encouragement, fear not, verse 1, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. And he goes on to talk about how he'll be with them here in, in time. And then in verse 5, he begins to tell us about the end times. Fear not, okay? First of all, if you're hearing something about the end times that causes you to fear, it's the wrong message. <laughs> It's the wrong message. Brother Buddy's been preaching to us out of the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation has struck fear in the hearts of many of God's children by the way it's been preached throughout the, ages, throughout the last couple of hundred years, really. Uh, but it should not. We are blessed if we read it. Fear not, verse 5, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. I will bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name. Those Old Testament saints didn't have some complicated eschatology, which is just a big word for end times. They didn't have some complicated view of the end time. The Lord's coming back. He's going to bring us home one day. You know, that's what gave Job hope, wasn't it? <laughs> Look over in Job 19 just for a second. We'll turn over there. We, don't, we often quote it. We don't often read it. In Job, the 19th chapter, you know, Job, Job was a man who suffered above all men, it seems like, at least if you compare uh, what happened to him with what's happened to all so many people through the ages of time. But he had something that gave him hope. He was suffering both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He was afflicted physically. He was afflicted by his friends. He was afflicted by Satan, ultimately, as who it was that was afflicting him. And he got a lot of things confused. But this is what gave him hope in verse 25. Well, verse 23, to catch the context here. Job 19 and verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. 
and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. That's an amazing statement of faith, and it's a simple expression of the hope that all of us as children of God ought to have. It takes on even greater meaning when you remember that Job was most likely the first book of the Bible that was written. I know the books of Moses, Genesis through uh, uh, Deuteronomy, deal with older things in Job's day. But Job, we're told by the, by the historians and the Bible uh, historians as well, that Job was written down before any other book was written. And it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And all the way back in Job's day, his hope was not just that there's pie in the sky by and by and there's some ethereal place that we can't really figure you know the Greeks had this idea of Hades and the Romans had other ideas and it was just all kind of you know mixed up in their minds and some people today have that same thing they, they, they think about they think that when we die we become angels and we play harps sitting on clouds floating out there somewhere in the ether <laughs> I want to say to you you're never going to be an angel okay you're never going to be an angel they're angels you're not one of them. If you're a child of God, you're not going to turn into an angel with wings. You're going to be a glorified son of God. It's what you're going to be one day. Praise God. Right now, you're not glorified. You're a child of God, but you're not glorified, but you'll be a glorified child of God one day. That's what I love what he says here. Job says, he will stand. I know he lives. He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. In other words, I know I'm a sinner. I know I, had, I need a redeemer. I know my redeemer lives. And he's coming back to get me. <laughs> That's a pretty simple end times belief, isn't it? We won't, well, yeah, we will turn over there. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, in Jesus' ministry, look in John chapter 14. It was simple. It was simple, okay? John chapter 14. Now remember, this is Jesus preaching to his disciples as the storm clouds of Calvary are gathering on the horizon he knows he's about to go from about chapters 14 through 17 it's a soliloquy almost of christ telling his disciples things they need to know to prepare them for the time when the romans come and take him and nail him to the tree and here's what he said let not your heart be troubled child of god if there's anything about jesus second coming that troubles your heart you're hearing the wrong message you're hearing the wrong message now i don't mean that it's not a fearful and an awesome time and an all-filled time, you know. But if we're children of God, you know, people out there tell us, uh, the Lord's coming back. You better get prepared. <laughs> Child of God, i got good news for you. You're as prepared today as you ever will be, and you're as prepared as you'll ever need to be. You know why? Because you didn't prepare yourself. Now, if it's up to you, you're not prepared. Listen, I know me. I'm not prepared in myself. I'm not prepared in my works. I'm not always doing right. You know, it's hit or miss whether when the Lord comes back, I'll be engaged in some sin or be reading his Bible. You know, I'm sorry. It's, I don't mean that flippantly. And that's a sad thing. And we ought to be thinking about him coming back all the time and wanting to be found faithful when he comes back. But praise God, it's not up to me to prepare myself. I am prepared as I'll ever be because he prepared me from before the foundation of the world. And on Calvary, he purchased me. And when the Holy Spirit regenerated me, then that's, that's all there is. I can't do anything. I can't add to that. And I praise God I can't take away from it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. 
Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. By the way, let me just say this. He, he doesn't mean by that that he's going up there to remodel heaven. <laughs> he's, not, he's not building up some houses and then taking some down when you mess up and, and adding more to it when somebody else makes a decision for Christ. No, the, the names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. What he's saying is, I'm going by way of the cross to prepare this place for you because only if I go to the cross will you ever be prepared for it or it ever be prepared for you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus didn't get into some complicated end times theology. He said, look, I'm going to die on the cross so that I can prepare this place for you and it'll be ready for you and you'll be ready for it. And if I go away, I'm coming back. Pretty simple, isn't it? Let's, let's talk about this for a little bit this morning. I don't know if we'll be able to finish it today, but we'll try. Because I think it's important that we understand that much of the teaching of the world out there is not correct and not accurate when it comes the end times. Because one of the things that we're taught is that there's a kingdom coming someday that's going to come down from heaven and be set up here on this earth. And most of, it's mostly called the millennial reign or, or there's going to be a thousand year reign, some call it, and, and that it's going to be here one day. But I want to say to you emphatically based on the word of God that we are living in the kingdom right now. We are living in the kingdom. Remember what we said over here in the book of Acts. Jesus Christ preached a consistent message throughout all of his ministry. Notice what he said in verse 3. After he has been resurrected and he comes back, it says that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is perhaps the verse that meant more to me than any other verse in the scripture to show me that, I, that what I had been taught growing up was not accurate, that the kingdom is here and now and not something that's coming. And here's, here's why I say that. He is here on the earth after his resurrection. He's here for 40 days. Now, if I knew I only had 40 days, I believe I'd be telling people things that were important. You know, we even in the law, we ascribe uh, great weight to last words, dying declarations. You know, hearsay is not normally admissible in, in court. That's an out-of-court statement that, that's made that you try to introduce as evidence in a court. So-and-so said this. Normally that's not admissible, but one thing that is absolutely admissible is the dying declaration of someone. Someone who has a uh, belief that they are about to die and they make a statement in criminal cases a lot of times is so-and-so did it. <laughs> you know, John killed me, John shot me, you know. But, but here we have Jesus dying declarations, if you will. Not that he's about to die, but he's about to leave and go back to, the, to, the, uh, to heaven to be seated at the right hand of his Father. So don't you think he'd be telling them things that are important? Don't you think he's telling them things that they need to know? But yet, if you would have, the, if you would have what people teach in the world, 
then what he's talking to them here is about some future kingdom that's at least 2,022 years away. Well, not quite that far, but at least 2,000 years away. He's speaking to things about the kingdom of God. He said, okay, Peter, come here. I'm going to tell you about something that's coming 2,000 some odd years from now. It's not going to do you one bit of good here. <laughs> it's not going to help you at all. It's not, in fact, if in truth he's telling them these things that most people teach, then rather than looking for his second coming, which we're all there, they all did and they're all told to do, to be uh, diligent, to be uh, awake, to be watching, even Jesus taught that, then they can say, well, I can tell you folks, he's not coming back for a couple thousand years. <laughs> we might as well just hang tight and just live it out till we die, you know. But see, this is, this is my point. He is preaching to them things about the current kingdom that they are currently living in. See, as I said, that's a, that, is a, that is a consistent message. Remember back over in, well, let's just turn over to Mark chapter 1. From the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus was teaching that. And by the way, John the Baptist before him. But in Mark chapter 1, remember the verse, we, we did a whole series on this on Mark recently. And the very first verse says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He sets forth who is the authority here. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, in verse 14 of that chapter, it says, After that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel, or the good news, of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Jesus is not playing around with words. He's not trying to trick them. He's not saying it's at hand, but yeah, you know, at hand really doesn't mean at hand. It means 2,000 years from now. No, he's telling them that it is now. In fact, that word at hand, that for, the word that's translated at hand means to draw or to come near or to approach. And what Jesus is saying to them is that the kingdom of God is, has drawn near. It is here and it is near. I'm here to institute it. Now, let me stop and just go back and remind you what I said at the very beginning of this series on the kingdom of God. I realize there's one sense in which the kingdom of God includes every elect child of God everywhere, okay? And in that sense, uh, one day that kingdom will be together in heaven. But on this earth, that kingdom will never, ever be together. Because if nothing else, many millions of children of God have already died that we'll never know will never be around. So the kingdom we're talking about is not that kingdom, and it's also not the heavenly kingdom. It's talking about something else, which I believe here and now is here and now, which is the church kingdom. And that's different from what they had in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Israel was the kingdom of God, if you will. Israel was the visible aspect of the kingdom of God. Rahab the harlot was a child of God when she was in Jericho. But she wasn't a part of the visible kingdom of God in Israel until they came in and they destroyed Jericho. And she, she married uh, there and became, uh, uh, became one of the ones in the line of Christ. Okay, Then she was part of the visible kingdom. She was always part of the entire kingdom of God. But here we're talking about something else here that Jesus says is, is now here and it's going to be a change from the Old Testament way of doing things, it is the church kingdom of God. 
And that word fulfilled, by the way, it says the time is fulfilled. That means it's full up. It's filled up. It's, it is completed. It's brought to realization. The time is fulfilled. It is time now for this new kingdom that I'm about to institute that is here and at hand. It is near. It is here. And beloved, I believe it's still here today. That's what he's talking about over in Acts chapter 1 when he's preaching to them about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's telling them how to dwell in the kingdom. And that's a concept, by the way, that would take a whole lot more preaching. And we probably will try to do that. I, I realized uh, the other day I was thinking about how the Lord has led me for the last nine months since January to primarily preach upon the doctrinal basis that we build our church on. But there's a lot more to it than just the doctrine. There's the practice. The kingdom is a different concept in the world. You know, out in the world, church is a place to go visit and come back. You know, you, you stop in for a visit and then you go out into your real world and you do your real thing. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the kingdom of God concept. That's not what God says that we're to be doing. We're to be carrying the kingdom with us everywhere we go. As a matter of fact, he tells us in one place, the kingdom is within you. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.